This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. It's time, it's time for the Draft Dudes Podcast. What's better than this? Your hosts, the Draft Dudes themselves and co-founders of the Draft Network, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino. Guys being dudes on the Draft Dudes Podcast. And it starts now. Guys, me and dudes here on the Draft Dudes Podcast. It's Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs. Uh, we're your hosts, Chris Hubert's floating around producing this thing. We're from the Draft Network. We're brought to you by Bet Online, your number one source for all sports betting needs this season. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends over at Bet Online. And they are your continued source. What is happening right now? I can't, is this. Is this <laughs> Joe, happy National Kit Harrington birthday to you today. <laughs> Somehow Kyle has an axe. A hatchet. So, okay. It's a hatchet. So hold on. To so just let everybody know, we, Wait, we had some, te- some technical issues in the pre-show, and so Kyle has switched to a backup microphone and decided Hello. that he, he wants to use this microphone to open the can. Which was very loud, and then all of a sudden, just out of nowhere, grabbed a hatchet. Which I'm not. I guess I shouldn't be surprised that Kyle has a hatchet just nearby. But then he <laughs> used that to help open the so can. Sorry, I Joe. Get us tab. back on track. I popped the tab, and it broke the seal, but it didn't push <laughs> the tab down. So and then, the like hatchet. the liner. Yeah. So what's the what's the closest like hard edged thing I have? <laughs> I have this hatchet here in my desk. <laughs> so. <laughs> I use that to to finish popping the tab on the beverage. Speaking of edges, Joe, you know where you can get some great edges and gambling? Yeah, bet online. Uh, All the stuff. (laughs) They have live betting, free contests, giveaways all season long. All the sports. So head on over to betonline.ag to join and receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Hey, is that where the game starts? It it is, but the promo code's BLEAV, B-L-E-A-V. You can receive your awards. Bet online. That is where the game starts. Where the uh, game starts. Kyle, like you said, we are we are wishing Kit Harrington a very happy birthday today here on the podcast. Lord Commander, very excited for the sequel series that's coming up. Yeah, for Kit I, Harrington I, pushed for it too. Did he? Okay, so well, I mean, if I were Jon Snow, I would want as much Jon Snow as, as I could be, right? So I, I right. get it. And uh, I'd also be pretty sour about the way they did me at the end of the the original series. Ooh. Yeah, he, he he can go can, can go hang out with the cast of The Walking Dead uh, of shows that have gone on way too long that need to end immediately. Terrible thing. Yeah, um, I was also very surprised to learn that Kit Harrington's five foot eight. Big presence in a yeah. smaller stature. He is slightest. our short our short king. Hashtag short king. Kit Harrington. 
I, I thought we at least maybe had a linebacker, you know, a uh, modern day Tampa yeah. two linebacker. No, we got a, we got a slot corner. Slot here corner. In, in feisty as heck, yeah. though. Yeah, I would say so. Feisty say as so. heck. Can't kill him. Can't kill a guy. No, no. You think they did him dirty? Oh, I, I know why you said that. At the that. very end. Yeah, yeah I, I, I get it. I get it. I Chris, get it. we won't spoil it for you. Yeah. Chris, what's the chances we get Chris to watch Game of Thrones in the year 2020? We need to start a hashtag. Start the movement. Start the movement. What's the hashtag? We could come up with something. I've got good. I've got current shows that I'm not caught up on. You think I'm gonna go back and watch a show that has that? Yeah, many you should catch up episodes? on the best television show you, I've ever you, watched. How far into uh Rick and Morty are you, Chris? Still on the same episode I told you we were on when the last time. Pickle you Rick. On this. Still Pickle on Pickle Rick. Rick. I you I will lo- you will love the season six finale that it's it's a Christmas themed episode that just bashes the commercialization of Star Wars. I can't wait to get there. Right. So get your rear-ended gear. The commercialization of Star Wars. Yeah. The spirit of the original film and the original trilogy, and then George Lucas realized he was way in over his head and tried to say, I'll show you and make good movies and made terrible movies. And then Disney bought him and they made more movies. And unless John Favreau's doing it, it's not good. Is pretty much the theme. All right. Yeah, I have nothing to add here, but that's yeah. that was interesting. Yeah. I never wasn't aware of that. And in the midst of all that, uh, Morty gets a lightsaber for Christmas. Oh. So, yeah. Okay. It, it sounds cute until the plot of the episode. <laughs> right. It, out, Joe's so. going to be like, this is dumb. This is stupid. Oh, well, right? yeah, of course. But that's as far as we have to take it. All right. Uh, yeah. Monday here on the podcast, we've got dudes. We've got a Jamie Eisner mock draft. Which I'm very excited about because it meant I didn't have to do one for Christmas week. Big shout out to Jamie Eisner for uh, being trapped in his living quarters in Chicago amongst the, you know, lizard conditions. Yeah. All that happened there. And he he spent it right in the mock draft for us. So we'll, we'll, uh, we'll give him, we'll give it to him honest here. Just a, just a little bit here on the podcast. Very good. Very good. All right. Time for dudes. I got three. You got three. Shall we? I I have three, and they're all not NFL players. That's great because I have three that are all NFL players. I figured, and I I wanted to give you enough information because you're always very skittish when we get into this, uh, that there's not going to be overlap here. Yeah, I was literally just sitting, what order do I go because if in we risk have, of Kyle, yeah, yeah, yeah. One of my was guys, li- yeah, that was literally the thought on my mind. So I, I grateful, just you, beyond you grateful. can live free and not die hard. Yeah, because die yeah, hard, it, it's just the Christmas movie. We don't have to bring it into to our dudes here on December twenty sixth. All right, uh, I'm just gonna go. Uh, my wait, f- <laughs> my wait. first my first dude is a combo of teammates here. You gotta give. All the flowers to Deonta Foreman and Chuba Hubbard running backs for the Carolina Panthers who had an amazing day against, unfortunately, our Lions. Foreman, 165 rushing yards. Hubbard, 125 rushing yards. The Panthers in their 37 to 23 win over the Lions go for 43 rushes, 320 yards, three touchdowns. Folks, this wasn't. USC back in the 2000s with Lendell White and Reggie Bush going up against San Jose State. This was the Carolina Panthers against the Detroit Lions, a run defense 
that had only allowed an average of 84 rushing yards per game over the last five. They give up 320 to the Carolina Panthers, 7.4 yards per carry. Carolina had seven runs of 20 yards or more in the game to get the win over the Lions and to keep their playoff hopes alive. You have to just, I think that was just one of the most unbelievable things coming out of the weekend that was in the NFL was just how successful Carolina was running the football against Detroit. So Steve Wilkes is going to get this job, right? He's going to make it hard for him not to. I'll say that. If Steve Wilkes doesn't get this job, I solemnly swear to be the next person to bring stuff to Charlotte, and I'm going to bring a swift kick in the ass to Dave Tepper if he doesn't hire Steve Wilkes to be the head coach of his football team. Panthers in control of their own death. When the opposing head coach shakes your hand after the mm. game and says, that was an ass-whooping hell of a job, and walks away. When the Detroit Lions were playing for a playoff spot, yeah. and that was Dan Campbell's reaction after the game. That says everything you need to know. Franchise record for most yards offensively in a, in a single game for Carolina, I believe. I saw in the post game in the locker room by Steve Wilkes. Phenomenal, man. Yeah. And here's the thing that we knew about Carolina. We knew Carolina had talent between McCaffrey at the start of the season, right? And they've obviously made the decision to trade him before the trade deadline, and that seems to be a win-win for both teams right now. You think about DJ Moore. I can make Quanu. You got some of the other pieces on the offensive line defensively with Brian Burns and Jeremy Chin and Thompson, Derek Brown, the corners. They had talent. The question was coaching. Well, we saw what it looked like with Matt Rule. And then Matt Rule goes. And what has happened since is the Panthers have played much closer to their talent level. And I understand there's a little bit more sense of urgency because the head coach has been fired. So now everybody's playing and coaching for their jobs. I get it. But Wilkes is getting what the Panthers are capable of out of them. And for that reason, I don't know how you can go in any other direction other than Wilkes at the end of the season. Unless they lose the last two by 40 points apiece, which I don't think is going to happen. How about this one? Fact or fiction? If Steve Wilkes is the head coach for the Carolina Panthers for the entire season, they already have the NFC South division clinched right now. Okay, so when did they fire Rule? Oh, God. Uh, Were they after week six or seven? I'm sitting all propped back in my seat here, not prepared to have to push any keys. Yeah, me neither. Um, So they started one in five. They would have beaten the Giants, and they probably would have beaten the Browns. And they got they got shelled against the Browns anyway. Week one, I saw you put that drink back down. You were right, so week one, they got, got robbed. They got you, took, robbed. you did it for me. I didn't have to do it. Um, yeah, I would say those first two games they probably win, which would make them eight and seven with games against the Bucks and Saints left to play. So I guess maybe not clinched, but they would be playing for a clinch this upcoming weekend. Yeah, they get it. They get it. I mean, they played three quarterbacks under Wilkes. You know what I mean? Like, Right. <laughs> okay. My first dude was a college prospect. This college prospect was a guy that I did at the end of last week. 
His name is Drew Sanders. He's a dude. Willing to commit commit to him being a dude. And the first time I watched Drew Sanders midseason, it was like after the Alabama game. And you come away and you understand, okay, this is a player who he's since declared for the draft and he's in. Um, playing stack linebacker for the first time in his career uh, in the college level. He played on the edge for two years in Alabama, transferred to Arkansas. They moved him off the ball, starting inside linebacker. And they play a lot of 3-2 uh, fronts in, in Arkansas. So a lot of nickel. Um, it took for me to watch Drew Sanders repeatedly and in depth to just accept what he is and what he's not. And once you accept what he is and what he's not, I came much more comfortable with his projection as an NFL player. Here's the thing about Drew. Drew was a five-star recruit. who was a two-way player. In North Texas, and he played quarterback, tight end, wide receiver, multiple positions on defense. Went to Alabama, was an edge for two years, and now is playing inside linebacker. Joe, does that sound like anybody that you know as of late? Does that sound like a recent draft prospect? Went through the Senior Bowl last year, small school kid. Was like all FCS at on both sides of the ball during his college career. Oh, Mr. Troy Anderson. Mr. Troy Anderson, who was, by the way, I believe the 60th overall pick in the 2022 NFL draft. Playing a lot more, playing well this year for the Falcons. Yeah. So I turn on the tape, and I'm expecting Leighton Van Der at Boise, because this guy's 6'5", 240, super long, runs like the wind. I didn't get Leighton Van Der He's not particularly good coming downhill and playing the run. But on passing downs, they use him as a spy. They walk him up on the edge and they blitz him. They have him in shallow zones underneath. And he is one of the most fluid, big-bodied, long-limbed linebackers that I can remember in recent memory. I'm sitting here trying to think, like, is he Zach Cunningham? Is he Tremaine Edmonds? Is he Troy Anderson? Like, And it's probably a blend of all of those guys mixed together. So I think if you, you watch Drew Sanders and you accept that the play in the box, especially when Arkansas is playing three-man down and they try to run a lot of drop eight and they play three safeties on the field and whatnot, it's not going to look like what you want run defense to look when you're projecting to the next level. But if you understand he's new to that position, he has a lot of third down and passing down value because he's versatile. And you look at just the athletic profile, he's a dude. I gave him an 82 and a half, which is good for second round valuation. And Joe, I know you knew where I had, where I came in on him the first time I, I watched him in season, just kind of trying to get a feel for him. And I was much lower than that. So that's a testament to the, the deep dive film of, of Drew Sanders in the context of who he is, where he's come from, and where I think he can go. Hell of a glow up there. Excited to uh, cross-check it myself and see where I land. All right, my next dude here is New York Giants wide receiver Isaiah Hodgins, who has developed into a meaningful player for this football team after having a very, very quiet start to his NFL career. 
a late day three pick by the Bills a few years ago. He's had a couple of injuries that have kept him out of the lineup. Um, and then he's always kind of been a flashy player in the off seasons, but just never, never could crack the the team, you know, just a lot of depth in front of him and you know, questions about whether or not as a depth receiver, he could really help you on special teams. And so the giants who obviously had familiarity with him, with Dayball and all the bills people that they have uh, plucked him off the bills practice squad. And, um, has been an answer for them at wide receiver. I know they didn't beat the Vikings, but uh, they were very competitive. Obviously, uh, was a 61-yarder to win it there at the end. But Hodgins had a great game. He had eight catches, 89 yards, a touchdown, uh, one down the field, You know, using his route running in hands, two strengths that I think anybody that watched him at Oregon State knew that he was a good route runner with good hands. You were just kind of concerned about whether he was a big slot and – you know, if he's really a player that had the dynamic athleticism to to show up and make a difference in the NFL, I think it was fair to have have questions. There's a reason he was drafted where he was, despite a really productive career at Oregon State. But he is absolutely taking advantage of this opportunity that he has with the Giants. And I know that he's familiar with Dayball, but that doesn't mean he's familiar with Daniel Jones and you know Mike Kafka, their offensive coordinator, right? There's still some acclimation, right? To to be mindful of with, with the player onboarding in the middle of the season for a team that was desperate at, at, at the position first, for some answers. And, you know, he's, he's come in, he's had seven games so far with the giants. And if you were to take what he's done in seven games and average it out across 17, he'd have 70 catches, 750 yards and seven touchdowns. And again, keeping in mind that context of him coming in mid season, catching passes from a quarterback he's never repped with and being able to provide an answer for a football team. And so um, obviously he's doing a lot right now that should tell this staff that he deserves to be a part of this offense, you know, for the long term. And you feel like it can only go up from here. So just a great story of, of a player that was a late round pick that with his original team didn't really move the needle you know, finds it, finds an opportunity at, at a challenging moment and, and provides an answer at a position where it's tough to pro- provide an answer with that context. So shout out to Isaiah Hodgins for what he's getting done with the New York Giants. Always fun to see what guys get those opportunities and take, take advantage of it, right? I mean, you, you could think of, you go through the lexicon and teams that just don't have pass catchers and a guy comes in and he's got the right mental makeup, even if he's not like a, a physically imposing mismatch type player and, and somebody's got to catch the ball, yep. right? Like it, it, in 2022 and 2015 and 2010, like last 10, 15 years, like nobody's just going to go through life as an NFL team completing 12 passes a game, right? It's like somebody has well, to catch the ball, whether you're running back, a tight end or a wide receiver. So um, for Hodgins to be that guy that steps in, uh, I hope it earns him another opportunity beyond this year, be that in New York or elsewhere. This is good tape for him yeah, to have. Absolutely. Um, and I hope he makes the most of that opportunity as well. Um, but I, I, I guess the question that I have for you, Joe, is how sustainable do you think this is when the Giants – get more pass catchers back healthy. Like what, what is Isaiah Hodgins' ability to, and obviously not between now and the end of the season, but like moving forward for him as an NFL yeah. player. Like what's, what's his ability to stave off new players coming in and taking the reps. 
I think he's in a great spot. We know Daves is going to run a lot of 11 personnel, a lot of four wide receiver stuff. So even if they do bring in a bunch of guys, I still think he can be wide receiver, wide uh, three or four. And in a lot of ways, fill that Gabe Davis role that Gabe Davis filled in Buffalo in his first two seasons, not really this year, but the first two years where he's that size and ball skills guy down the field. But he's also been good in the red zone and he's legitimately a good route runner. He He's very deceptive, clean in and out of breaks. He's obviously got a long frame and, and a lot of size. So I think there's a lot in his skill set that he offers that can keep him relevant in this offense, you know, moving forward as well. So. I think he's in the right spot. I really do. And I mean, love what he's doing with the opportunity. I know, I know a couple of different people um, in different circles that are very close with Isaiah Hodgins and they, they really rave about his mindset and his work ethic and what type of character he has. And so, you know, when you kind of put all that together, you feel good about someone that's going to continue doing whatever is necessary to, to be relevant and, and make it, make it happen. So I'm pretty optimistic for Hodgins, even if he's not going to be the number one or the number two receiver for the Giants moving forward. So I have two more prospects as dudes. And I would like to know, Joseph, whether you would like the offensive dude or the defensive dude. Let's go offense. We just did defense. Very good. So let's talk about Jordan Addison. (laughs) 2021 Bolitnikoff winner. I did Addison over the weekend for today. Uh, with our regional scouting that we are doing. Uh, 86 out of 100. He is the second first-round evaluation that I, in my region, have had the opportunity to uh, give out, the first being Michael Mayer, which collected an 85. So Addison, you watch him at USC, and it helps having tape to foil against the, the USC tape, because you see him win vertically down the field. You see him win in the screen game. You see him win in the quick game. But it's still Lincoln Riley's offense, so you can't help but have those questions of, okay, he played with the Heisman Trophy winner at quarterback. Um, how much of this is him being elevated or elevating? And I'm here to tell you across the Pittsburgh tape, which he won the Bolitnikoff, and this past year's tape at USC, which he missed a little bit of time with a lower body injury before coming back and looked just as good after the injury as he did before the injury. This is a complete wide receiver. And there's a lot of debates about size and stature and uh, physicality to play outside. I have zero concerns about Jordan Addison playing in any alignment that you could possibly want him to. Now, I don't think you necessarily go out of your way to manufacture some of the touches that USC did for him at times throughout the course of the year. But this is a player who can win against press, can win outside, can stack you vertically, can create massive amounts of separation, and he's got good hands. There's a lot of the... uh, Devonte Smith type vibes with his stature and his play and how I think it will translate. And Smitty's had a great season. He just went up over a thousand yards for the first time in his career for the Eagles as uh, one of several very talented pass catchers in Philadelphia's passing attack. So I look at Jordan Addison and he's going to be a home run for somebody like we might sit here and say, man, I wish he ran a little faster, man. I wish he was a little bigger, but man, if you just want to pick a guy who can get open and catch the football and a wise man once told you at the NFL combine, Joe, you asked, what do you look for wide receivers? (laughs) He said, I want guys who get open and catch football. That guy doesn't both. 
Oh, that was good. That was good. So you, I, I, I the question I was going to ask you, you, you answered within your analysis there, because I think the, the only concern really with Addison is going to be, okay, what type of stature does he have and how concerned should we be about it? But you know, I think you're just continuing to see some of these guys come in and, and answer, tell tell it, they're telling us that it doesn't matter. Right. right. Um, what's, what's interesting about Devonta Smith is the, the weird thing about him was kind of like, at his height, how lean he was, right? And I don't. I think Jordan mm-hmm. Addison might be shorter, and so I don't know if that makes him more dense or nothing. I I haven't studied him like you have, but I'm interested to see what type of uh, valuation the league puts on him because it feels like from team to team their priorities at wide receiver could be different, right? Like we saw the Falcons wanted a size receiver for Drake London. You can debate whether or not he was the best receiver last year, right? But they wanted size, so they got their size. And maybe they're yeah. thinking right now, well, maybe we should have picked Garrett Wilson or something like that. But Just a guy who can hold on to the ball. Mm-hmm. Well, Fumbles two consecutive weeks. For- <laughs> we'll see. Two we'll games see. does not a career make. Yeah, we'll, the prior- we'll see what the priorities are, but it feels like Addison's got a good chance to be the first receiver off the board. Um, My last dude is Cameron Hayward, uh, defensive tackle, defensive lineman for the Pittsburgh Steelers. He was absolutely dominant. And their 13-10 win over the Raiders, seven tackles, two sacks, three tackles for loss. I had a pass breakup as well. And he's just one of my favorite players in the league. Um, you watch him play. He plays the game the right way. His effort's always incredible, um, always owning his gaps, always firing off and affecting the pocket. Um, and he hustles, man. I, I, just a lot of respect for him. He's 33 years old. And, you know, I don't know that there's been much of a drop-off with with how impactful he's been. Um really over the last five, six years, I think he's as good as he's ever been. And um, I mean, just, just a lot of respect for him. And obviously the impact was significant in a game that, you know, the, this crop of teams that looks to be in contention for that seven seed in the AFC, like Pittsburgh's not going away and them beating the Raiders was another step and them just kind of hanging around and being relevant. And we saw them kind of they backed in last year, right? And it were kind of unusual circumstances. So um, you know that that comes from good veteran players and player-driven leadership. And uh, I'd have to think that Cameron Hayward's very responsible for the consistency of the Pittsburgh Steelers never getting to that point where they just are a terrible football team. So good, good for Pittsburgh and, and Cam Hayward. Uh, man, you have all my respect. Is Tomlin going to do it? What's their last two games? I, I don't. I legitimately don't know their schedule. They, so they just had at Baltimore flexed into Sunday Night Football next week. Who knows with Baltimore, right? And then they are home against the Browns. Man, did we did we just do this like last week on the yeah. show? Where I think Kyle Kyle, you said, are they going to do it? And then Joe said, I yeah, don't know their schedule. Did. And then we did this exact thing with I think the I'm three supposed games. To remember that a week later. I, I know, know I'm just making that, sure but... that my brain's not. I'm not losing it. You know, he might do it, guys. He might do it. I think they're going to take another losing season. They'll take the last one. Baltimore is such a, I don't, I don't know how good they are. It's hard to know. You know what I mean? It's hard hard to know what to make of Baltimore. Which is just a really unusual place to be after they've played 15 games. Like, don't know who this team is. Well. Well, so I'm going to make an adjustment on my last dude. Okay. And it was inspired by your third dude. I'm going to read you some numbers. Okay. The numbers I'm going to read you are 120, 1,193, and 9. And then I'm also going to read you these numbers. 
96, 1,382, and three. Anybody tell me what those two sets of numbers are for? I'm guessing wide receiving numbers. They yards, are receiving production yards, catches and or yards, catches and touchdowns for two players. And they're against whatever corner Kyle wants to talk about here as part of his dude. That is not the case. These are the career Darn. receiving numbers through effectively the first two seasons of these respective players' careers. The second set of numbers, 96, 1382, and 3, are the numbers for Kyle Pitts of the Atlanta Falcons as a top six pick. And the second, the first set of numbers, 120, 1193, and 9, are the numbers for Pat Fryermuth, the tight end for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Oh, is this Steelers Day on the podcast? Steelers Day <laughs> on the podcast. Well, you mentioned the Steelers, and I got thinking about it, and Fryermuth had himself a nice game yeah. for Pittsburgh with 7 for 66, and Super reliable target. I mean, he's caught 71% of his career targets through 30 games, 169 targets. He's got 120 catches. Uh, his yards per catch is up over th- – it's effectively up three and a half yards this year versus last year, and the offense is still not good. <laughs> but very quietly, like, Pat Fairmuth entered into that final college season in 2020, 2020 right, mm-hmm. as the consensus top-rated tight end in the class and Kyle Pitts was more of the mystery of what he could be and what he could develop into. Well, then the Kyle Pitts season happened and then he ran a four, four and Kyle Pitts gets drafted sixth overall, third overall, fourth overall, fourth overall, third overall, fourth overall. There's three QBs in the Kyle Pitts fourth overall draft dudes do math. There it is. And then Pat Fryermuth got drafted 55th overall. And I understand Kyle Pitts has missed some time. Uh, He's played in 10 games this year. But in the grand scheme of things, he's played in 27 games, and Pat Fryermuth has played in 30. And he's got 3x the touchdowns. He's got more receptions. They actually have, fun fact, the same amount of targets to this point in their career. And Joe often says the the best ability is what? Availability. Availability. I don't think we're too concerned about Kyle Pitts' availability long term. But just interesting that each player has 169 targets. And Fryermuth, shout out this guy. Got slept on all throughout the process because he had a bad final year at Penn State. Goes to Pittsburgh. Of course he goes to Pittsburgh. Blue collar, central PA, inline tight end. Super unsexy with his play after the catch, but he's going to catch everything you throw at him, just like Heath Miller. Mm -hmm. And he's having himself a really nice career. So in the same way that we look at all these quarterback classes that come out and hold each other against the same guys in the same class, Fryermuth is the guy who lost the title of tight end one. and His performance thus far, should not be slept on as far as being a competitive player from a production standpoint across equal targets to what Kyle Pitts has produced for the Atlanta Falcons. Good shout-out, Kyle. Good yeah. shout-out. Uh, we have a mock draft to discuss, gentlemen. Have you? Have both of you seen the mock, or are we still in the dark? In the dark. In the dark. Okay, so I will do what I normally do. I'll read five picks at a time. I will tell you, 
Jimmy got a little crazy on Christmas week. He put some trades in there. So, and he gave me the full details of the trades, and they're also in the story. So we can evaluate whether or not these deals were good. <laughs> Number one overall, the Houston Texans select quarterback C.J. Stroud out of Ohio State. At number two, there has been a trade between the Cincinnati Bengals and the Chicago Bears. The Bengals move up to number two. Chicago gets T. Higgins, pick number 28, pick number 59, and a 2024 third. Will Anderson, the selection for the Bengals. Seattle, at number three, takes Bryce Young, quarterback out of Alabama. We have another trade at pick number four, the Carolina Panthers. Move up to pick number four. The Cardinals move down to pick eight, get pick number 43 and 111 in that trade. The Panthers take Will Levis and pick number five, Christian Gonzalez, the corner out of Oregon to the Indianapolis Colts. So two trades in the top five. There you go. There's a lot happening here. Can you go through that compensation for the Bengals trade? They go from 28 to two. They go from 28 to two. They also trade T Higgins. Pick number 59 and a 2024 third. Does that get you to two? I, I, I like the lens of this through the Bengals saying, yeah, we can't pay all these receivers. But why are they the team that comes up for Will Anderson? Is it to me that screams logical trade destination for T Higgins being the Bears and then just make it happen? I'm going to be annoying, but I went and I I grabbed the trade logic that we have for the rebuilt MDM, which we're currently in the this product, doesn't sound processing annoying at all. Of, of beta testing. I just want to know the, the picks that I can put in. So I'm going to ask Chris for the picks one more time so I can get the correlating values and then figure out how much T. Higgins is valued in this trade sure. to potentially get this done. Pick so pick two goes from Chicago to uh, Cincinnati. Yep. Cincinnati gives up twenty eight, twenty eight, fifty nine, fifty nine, and then a twenty twenty four third rounder. Okay, so this values T Higgins, and according to our our trade logic, like. The Bears would have to value T. Higgins as like the eighth overall pick in the draft for this for them to say yes to this, according to the trade logic for for MDM. That's the discrepancy in the points is top ten pick. Yeah, and that doesn't really add up to whatever you know the Bills gave up for Diggs, what the Dolphins gave up for Tyreek, right? Like, well, let's let's be fair. They did give up a top forty pick for Chase Claypool, so they might they might be in the market for. I did it, didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> it was a bad trade. We should we should never stop talking about it. It was a dumb trade. No, I don't, don't feel like we talk enough about it, right? Yeah. We, now, Steelers Day continues here on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations, you fleeced them. You fleeced them. Oh my god. Um. Yeah, that's rich. That's rich. So I, I don't feel know like that. The, that... Like you got to give up a future one. Yeah, there's there's a first a future one missing from this trade. Yeah, it's number two, man. Two, two for for Will Anderson. Yeah, two. you're you're the Bears and trading out of that. You have a hundred and ten million whatever cap space. Like, you don't think a quarterback hungry? You don't think the Panthers wouldn't be calling up asking to move up to two, two? 
knowing that Seattle could be a quarterback spot at three. Yeah. I do like that. They're going to finesse that. There's a lot of room for them to get a lot more than I think what they got. I I like this Panthers trade up for, I think it's logical with Arizona nine to five. Is that what the deal is? Eight to eight to four, but that's okay. Eight to four. Okay. So Chris, I'm going to ask you to do the same thing one more time. So four for eight, 43, 43 and one eleven. Okay, so now this one's only apart by 15 points on the trade value chart. It's doable. Yeah, it's fine. It's And 15 points is the value of a seventh-round pick in, in our custom pick value chart. So I think the values there are, are much more fair, I think, if Arizona does do this in real life. You'd probably like to get some kind of future year asset for a quarterback trade. Right. But yeah, all in all, I think that that trades a much better reflection of value than than the Cincinnati splash. I think what hurts that is just you didn't move back that far. To get that right. future asset, uh, right. I know we're spending a lot of time. These first five picks are they're, They deserve it, though. Uh, CJ Stroud, the, the first pick first pick. Yeah. Yeah. To Houston, which he must think the Houston Texans are, are anti. Kid Harrington as well. Potentially, <laughs> don't appreciate their short kings like they should. You know, um, who, who knows what the Texans are thinking, man? man. Well, we found out that no, we did. It's we found wild. out that they like Derek Stingley, so we'll we'll know, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that we'll got just, out well in advance. Yeah, yeah. the the miss of all misses that I didn't take. The Texans what? as part of the draft dudes underdog money line parlay over the weekend. Well, did it hit? Well, we picked the Rams, that hit, and somebody picked the Raiders, and the Raiders lost. So we, we weren't going to get it anyway, but I, I want to feel good going into next year, and we're just not doing very good right now. We'll, we'll hit one. Hit one. Yeah, a little bit All of right, time. next couple of picks here. Yep. We'll get there eventually. The, Fal- the Falcons at number six take Jalen Carter. The mm-hmm. Lions at number seven take Tyree Wilson. The Cardinals, remember, they traded back from four to eight. They take Joey Porter Jr., uh, corner at a Penn State at number eight. The Raiders at number nine take a running back. B. John Robinson, number nine to the Las Vegas Raiders. And at number 10, Miles Murphy, edge to the Philadelphia Eagles. So Josh Jacobs up out of here, huh? We just said Josh Jacobs is going to hit the road. We're going to replace him. What was the Zamir White pick for then? Wasn't that always ah. the hedge? Like, it, come on. <laughs> well, predictively, I could see this happening, but like, how disappointing would that be with the Raiders? All the problems that you have as a as a roster, that you're you're you've become so reliant on Josh Jacobs that you now have to invest in a top ten pick to replace him when you have massive issues in the trenches and and on your defense, like in general. I don't know, man. You know what that, that feels like? That feels a lot like Najee Harris to the Steelers. You gotta get you, you gotta get some linemen. To make this, it can't just be Colton Miller and Dylan Parham. Like we, we use that pick on a tackle. Yeah, use that pick on anything, really. Trade the pick, sure. Trade the pick since we're yeah. doing trades now. Yeah, why not? Jalen Carter, the Falcons is a dream for them, right at six. And the Grady Jarrett. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, how about the Cardinals being able to move back, get a- extra assets, and get a corner, Joey Porter? You have to love that. Um, Tyree Wilson of the Lions. 
man, that D line. I don't. I don't want to overreact to the line to the Panthers game because I thought their D line had been playing a lot better. And and you look at Josh Pascal coming in and being pretty good. Aiden's been really good. Um, James Houston's been a fine for them. It's like Tyree Wilson. He's going to help any team, but like, is was that the right way to go there? He's like the plus plus version of Pascal, right? Yeah. Who they just drafted in the second round, and, and if you want that kind of player, that's fine. Sure. Yeah, it's been banged up, but I don't think Josh. I guess to go back to your logic, and I do this all the time, so thank you for introducing this to me. Josh Pascal doesn't stop you from drafting Tyree Wilson. In the same way that Zamir White doesn't stop you from drafting Bijan Robinson. Well, yeah, but it's the top ten. <laughs> Go ahead, Chris. Number eleven, the Texans take Quentin Johnston. Uh, Seattle at number twelve, Isaiah Foskey. The Titans at thirteen take Peter Skaronsky. The Patriots at fourteen take Trenton Simpson, and the Jets at fifteen take Dewan Jones. We got to get Trent out of the the first round of these mocks. Simpson, and nothing. Yeah, he's he's a skill specific player. Okay, understood. But is there enough dynamic athleticism that someone's just going to do it? Why did we not do it with Owusu Kormo? That's a good question. Because that's the hind- player I think he's most well, in line with, if we're being weren't honest. Weren't there medicals with Owusu Kormo that he made him fall in the second late, round? Yeah. That kind of. Oh, sl- oh no, Simpson, Simpson had an awesome year last year with Venables. And then Venables leaves, and they said, okay, we're going to play a stack linebacker. He had two and a half sacks and four tackles for loss on the season. So he had like 15 tackles for loss last year. So within the same infrastructure with a different coach calling it in a different role. And who picked him? That was what I was going to ask you about the Patriots. Do you like that? No. No, I I mean, I think they need more speed on their defense, but. Any, anybody who drafts, Trenton, in my mind, to play stack linebacker, which is what I'm assuming they are drafting him to do because they have Judon and they have Uche. It's it's not a winning formula for him in my mind. He has to be a chess piece player. Now, Bill is one of those guys that you would trust is not going to not have some kind of plan for a guy. But when I think about New England, like, Bentley's been pretty good this year. They need another player. They they need another player there, and I don't think that the skill set is complementary to play him on every down. And they, I mean, they're out here running big nickel like nobody's been. They play more dime packages than anybody in the league. They, they play they, dime personnel like twenty five percent of the time. They, they what their personnel usage with their secondary is just different. They'll play they'll play like four safeties. It's crazy. Now, if you want to let him live in that world and get into that rotation and you're going to bid farewell to McCourty because he's getting old and you got other expiring contracts and replace peppers, like you could get in all that if you want. <laughs> but it's it's just more of the same of what you already have. I don't think it moves the needle for New England. It's fair. Uh, Quentin Johnson, that's fun. C.J. Stroud, Quentin Johnson, your Texans, one, two, 
punch there at one and eleven. Yeah, like that. Skaronsky's a slam dunk for Tennessee. He could play him at four spots. He'd be an upgrade. How do you how do you feel about uh, Dewan Jones, Chris? Uh, the Jets need four starting offensive linemen for next season. So, however they can get that really happen, right. we'll we'll take it. So we're in on O lines. Our new mindset here for yeah, we're out on Lake and Tomlinson. Connor McGovern doesn't come back. Elijah Vera Tucker can go back to his spot at left guard and get Lakin. Four. Yeah, he's out. Done with him. Okay, Listen, so who, you paid who that man way blocks? too much money for him to not be starting off. Who are our answers? Who are our pillars? AVT and who? And there, and that's where it ends. Lakin's right. so going letting to be, Fant even walk. if you don't want him to be. We can't count on Becton. We're letting Fant walk. Dwayne Brown's okay for one more season, but he's old. Connor McGovern's a free agent. We're not bringing him back. Okay, but we're a little bit locked into Tomlinson here. They can get out of it, and if they want to eat just a All little right. bit of dead, money, I just, I just like Kyle, to don't, don't you, don't you do this? I've, accepted. I've already done it. They, got, they have accepted. to eat like they have to eat like six or seven. I think it's like seven or eight million dollars, and they can save like eighteen against the cap. They're absolutely going to do it. Challenge accepted. He's been brutal this year. Send it my way. I need a left guard. <laughs> you guys are killing me. You can have. I'm it. not going to be able to do this with Joe's. Joe's like, oh yeah, I know. You guys are going to be talking about free agency I can't the, do the first week of January, Joe. and I'm just sitting here Joe. waiting for my team to play the first playoff game from the divisional Joe. round. <laughs> We're going to do. I got a quarterback carousel that's going to occur this offseason with my team. You just got to get ready now, buddy. Get ready. I, I need you guys to tell me how to handle this offseason with you guys. Like, coach me up because I I am I'm concerned. Eight and a half million dollars in dead cap. I, wait. Can you uh, eat that? I can't. I can't believe they would eat that. For but guard, Chris, man, like he's not that bad, is he? You won't. You won't have to wait long. His salary for next year fully guarantees on the fifth day of the league year. Oh, you'll find so out get, quick. He'll get locked in for an additional twelve point seven million dollars in fully guaranteed money on the fifth day of the league year. But Chris, I think it's always fair to ask. Like, does your perception and value of Lake and Tomlinson differ than Match the, the messaging that you're hearing from the coaching and the in the you know GM and stuff? The organization might feel differently, but inside inside jet circles, like like the fan base, hey, they're they're okay. Uh, are we ready for the next couple of picks? Yes, we are. Yes. Pick number 17, Paris Johnson to the Green Bay Packers. Uh, Cam Smith, pick 18 to the Detroit Lions. Keely Ringo, 19 to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Michael Mayer, uh, pick 20 to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, and did I skip one? Roger Jones, 16 to the Steelers. I think I skipped that one. Yeah, you, you did skip Roger Jones. I love Mayer to the, the Jaguars. I love that pick. Kind of so. a missing element to that offense. Yeah, man, Doug, Doug would get so much out of Mayer. He really would. And a lot different than Ingram, too. I, I, I should have been a little bit more mindful there. They're getting some flashy moments out of Ingram. But if I'm not saying that was like a one-year deal, too, right? So, you know who Evan Ingram is? You know who Evan Ingram is? He's this next generation's version of Eric Ebron. The next generation, man, we've already moved on. I, right. I feel like I've, I'm old enough to remember both players, you know? Right, but, you know, Ebron was a productive player who signed one-year deals everywhere, <laughs> right? Right. And he did because he was an athletic pass-catching tight end. Ingram, like, let's lock in a deal here so that that doesn't become the fate. But I would not be surprised if, 
like teams just continue to give him run because he does give him something in the passing. Yeah. I mean, they're they're running screens to the perimeter for Evan Ingram, and he's breaking tackles. They might like to have both, right? Ingram and Mayer. I, I would hope that they would. Yeah. yeah. I like these corners, man. Cam Smith to the Lions, Keely Ringo to the Bucks, Witherspoon to the Commanders. Those are those feels like good answers for those teams. Yeah. Yeah. I like Witherspoon a lot relative to, to what they've had a corner and kind of the struggles that they've had getting stuff out of guys and the tackles, right? Broderick Jones of Pittsburgh and Paris Johnson, the Packers. Like I, this, this is a really quality stretch for me in this mock draft. As it continues, you get into the back half. You feel really good about, about the fits yeah, and the value, which speaks to how we feel about this class, but pick Ooh. number. Good, Chris. Pick number 21, the Washington Commanders take uh, Devin Witherspoon, corner out of uh, Illinois. The Dolphins at pick number 22, forfeit their pick. At pick number 23, the New York Giants select Anthony Richardson, quarterback. The Chargers at pick number 24 take Jordan Addison, wide receiver. And at number 25, the Baltimore Ravens take Jackson Smith in Jigba, wide The Addison to Chargers pick is not allowed to happen. <laughs> that cannot be manifested. Like that skill set they're missing, right? Yeah. I mean, Palmer was a nice player at Tennessee. You kind of know what he is and what he's not. Uh, Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, and then you take Palmer and you replace him with Addison. Mike, like, that's just, it's going to be really hard to space the field on that passing attack with with Herbert at quarterback. So um, that's the one that really pops to me is like, nope. Can't happen. Not allowed to happen. Feels like this Anthony Richardson to the Giants kind of in the back part of the first round is becoming like too obvious to not do. But also, like, if not the Giants, then who? Which feels crazy to say here in late December. Yeah, Rob Juden got to him for sure. Rob wants this? Rob Juden, absolutely. Florida quarterback. Rob's yeah, a Florida no. alumni. Yeah. Giants fan. Okay. One million percent he's trying to manifest. How, how do you I, I've I've always enjoyed your thoughts on the Ravens offense. And so I naturally would like to know your thoughts on Jackson Smith and Jigba being their pick. And how good he, route Yeah. Good route runner, guy who can can separate and catch over the middle of the field. I think that meshes well with Lamar. I think Bateman on the outside to get him back in him healthy. I think that's a really nice combination of crafty route runners. Um, I think they can play off each other. Well, now getting Lamar's contract figured out is obviously the big hurdle for, for them moving forward, but I don't mind the pick. Obviously you wish he had, a little bit better momentum with the season that he just had, but you know, that's he's just gonna have to stand on last year's tape. And last year's tape at the end of the day was was very good, so don't mind it. The last six picks I have for you here. The Broncos at twenty six take Jared Verse. The Cowboys at twenty seven take Brian Brzee. The 
Bears at 28 as the product of a trade from earlier. Take Nolan Smith. Uh, the Chiefs at 29 take Anton Harrison. The Minnesota Vikings at number 30 take Clark Phillips. The Buffalo Bills at 31 take Rasheed Rice. And at 32, the Los Angeles Rams make a selection. Now, you may be asking yourself, <laughs> hey, Chris, why are the Rams making a pick? Well, we have a trade. The Rams get pick number 32. The Eagles get picks 38, 169, and a 2022 fourth. The Rams move up to draft Brian Branch. Six, Six spots. Oh, boy. Um, <clears throat> I love the breezy pick for Dallas. I don't how – do how do you react to the Bears moving out of two, gaining T. Higgins, but – To take Nolan Smith. To take Nolan Smith instead of Will Henderson. Like, congrats on the if I'm a, if 59 I'm a Bears, and the third. Right. If I'm a Bears fan – and you told me you get the number two overall pick and you get to cash out with Nolan Smith and T Higgins, I would be pissed. I'd right, be even, pissed. even when you can consider the pick 59 that they also get in the 2024 third. Yeah. Right, I don't we'll love find that out. What, we'll find out what 59 is because I know that the, the rest of the staff is doing round two with Jane. Ah, so yeah, that's fun. They'll, they'll find out what that extra pick is. No, I'm out. I'm all the way. I'm all the way out on that for Chicago. Um, push for more. Didn't don't don't really like the the consolation prize at the same position. Nolan Smith's a good player, but that's just the plan in general for me. And then, oh by the way, you got to pay T, like big time dollars. Mid twenties, yeah, twenty five, twenty six, probably per. Right. I'm sure. Right. Um. Fully in on the receiver to the Bills. I think that's a good idea. Receiver or O-line. Feels like the value was at receiver here. What do you think about this Jared verse to the Broncos? I I, kind of, I find myself really liking it. Although it's, it's very much the, it's very much the DeForest Buckner trade where the 49ers sent Buckner to the Colts. And then use for, that pick for Kinlaw. Kinlaw. It's all about resetting the money, right? Right. So that's basically what Denver does. They reset the money at edge when they're paying Gregory, and hopefully he can come back and be a, right. an answer for them. I mean, from a team-building perspective, it makes sense, right? Yeah. Man, oh, man, I don't think Jared Verse is going to help whatever the heck's going on on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, we and we had some good conversations. I I think some of them were on this podcast about that Broncos offensive line and how it could look a lot different next year. Yeah, it should I, look a lot different. Well, and and you, I mean, what was the what was the offensive line plays here late in the first round? I mean, I don't love the value. You, what is there a single interior guy that came off the board? No, I mean Michael Schmitz was an option. Osiris Torrance, if you like those players. Tackle was kind of kind of dried up here. I know that Anton Harrison went a few picks later. I don't know that I love him in the first round. Um, yeah. So I get it. Yeah. Good luck, though. We'll yeah, it's fun. Part. We Different gave Jamie the full, the full uh, work over and picked it to shreds. So look forward to uh, making sure he hears the show and gets home. <laughs> well, one thing we know about Jamie Eisner is no person on the planet has read more about the 2023 NFL draft than Jamie Eisner. There, there, there's everything it, we it, do. 
credit. It, it is not close. This guy has read every scouting report, and now he's reading like not just the summer scouting reports, but he's getting final reports. He reads every mock draft, <laughs> every article we write. Man, this guy's read it all. So his Sponge. insight's always fun. Yeah, he's an encyclopedia of knowledge, Jamie. Right, but then he also has his own individuality with how he sees it, right? So he's like, right. and he and he's he scout the scout too, right? Where he knows the people that he's reading all the time really, really right. well and how to interpret their biases and the things that they put in there. So Jamie, like low-key, is awesome to get his analysis on because of how he blends things together. And he watches I – mean, he. Not only he watches as much football as anybody, right? Like, right, and reads as much. So Jamie's uh, just a um, um, really, really skilled. Uh, enjoy. It makes you guys are following him on Twitter, Jamie Eisner, and, right. and interact with him because he's got a lot of good takes. Don't don't give him too many compliments. He he can't can't afford to get too big of a head. So you we'll, know, we'll shut this thing down before he gets gets too excited. Kyle Krabs, Joe Marino, Chris Schubert, draft dudes. Check out Jamie, but don't, don't don't tell him anything nice. Okay, appreciate you guys checking out the show. Thanks for friends over Ben Alive for their continued support of the podcast. We will talk with you all again tomorrow for Vibe Association, and then we got a bunch of Levy Grail teams this week to look forward to. So hope to see you there. Hit subscribe. Talk to you again tomorrow. Thanks for being here for another episode of the Draft Dudes Podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. While you were at it, help the dudes out by leaving a rating and review. Want more? Head over to www.thedraftnetwork.com or follow us at The Draft Network on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.